0: Marvelous and wonderful. I was singing the song all week and thinking of this family dedication. Dayton, it's been a while, hasn't it? We've been wanting to do this for a while. We were at a function maybe six or eight months ago, and Dayton comes running up to me and he says, He says, Uncle Tom, I need to be dedicated. And I said, Out of the mouth of babes and suckling, God has perfected praise. I thought that was the perfect word. Every dedication is special, every child that God gives us is special. And we don't take it lightly. Every child that we dedicate before God, whether it be son or daughter, we feel very privileged. And I feel very privileged this morning. A lot of prayers have gone up. For Brother Nathan and Sister Crystal, Hunt, they're standing here with two fine boys, Dayton Angelo. And Bentley, Andrew, two wonderful gifts of God. But this would not have happened if Christ had not come. This wouldn't be taking place unless the Lord Jesus would have come and taken a life, turned it around for the glory of God. Prayers of a father, prayers of a mother, Prayers of grandparents, uncles, aunts, sisters. What a heritage we have in Christ. Scripture, Nathan and Sister Crystal, I've, I've looked at here, and of course there's parallel to it. In Exodus 12 and 3, Moses was to speak to the children of Israel in the tenth day of the month, and they shall take them, every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. We know that was the type of the great lamb of God that was to come. And then when the lamb did come, there was a prophet on the scene. And again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. He looked upon Jesus. He walked and he said, behold the lamb. This is the lamb for your house, brother Nathan, sister Crystal. This is the lamb that's going to be your protection from death. This bleeding word is going to keep you and lead you under the promise of his word to a promised lamb. Brother Ram said, he said, we're not worthy, not worthy to ask for anything, but if we would think about it, then we would be so little, we would be so no good. But Lord, when I look up to Thee and see the Lamb provided for me, there is a Lamb provided, then God doesn't see me, Brother Nathan, Sister Crystal. If this Lamb has been provided for you, He doesn't see you. He sees the Lamb. He sees you through the Lamb. He doesn't see your sins. He doesn't see your wrongs. He sees the Lamb. It's the Lamb for your house, Nathan. Your daddy believed for that Lamb. Your mother believed for that Lamb. Your grandparents believed for that Lamb. I believe for that Lamb. And we all believe here for that Lamb. Without that Lamb, there is no protection. There's no deliverance. There's no salvation. There's no going to heaven. But with that lamb comes a responsibility. It's to be displayed. It's to be displayed. The whole family needs to be under the token. Papa, Brother Bram says, Mama. I know how you feel. He says, even I, I have children. I've got to see them saved. We want that lamb displayed. And so this morning... I pray that God will so bless this couple. They would walk under the protection of the blood of this bleeding word. And that Dayton, as a young boy, stands in the presence of his father and his mother. Dayton. You know what Dayton means, Dayton? Dayton means a light. That you'd be a light. That you will be a new day. The dawning of a new day for you, Dayton. And An- Angelo. Now you got a, you got a place to play here. It means messenger. You've got a message to run with. This is a new day. It's the rising of the Sunday. May you have a bright day, Dayton. And may the presence of God ever be on your soul. And in the arms of Mother is Bentley. Bentley Andrew. Now, I looked up, of course, the name Bentley. That's very aristocratic, as a matter of fact. Most of us here could never drive one. But it actually means a clearing, a clearing. All debris is gone. A clearing, but Andrew comes in there, your dad, part of your dad's name, Nathan. Andrew. Warrior. Courageous. Then a prophet picks it up in things that are to be. And not only does he say warrior, he says prayer warrior. May Bentley Andrew be a prayer warrior in your home. May your son bring forth that bright new day. And that day's star arise within his heart. And may he bless this home as we've prayed much in our prayer meetings. We can say, God is good all the time. In the good times, Sister Marilyn, and in the bad times, you're seeing the fruits of much heart ache and tears. But God's brought joy in this morning. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. All your arms around. Father, we stand in awe within the presence of the Lord. You'll not leave our little ones behind. We've done that for many years from the house to the log church. All the way to now, Lord, and we see these little ones come in. And we're thankful for it, Lord, for that's a prophecy and we claim them in the name of Jesus. And Father, you've brought forth fruit and much fruit. I pray, Lord, that you'll grant to Sister Crystal wisdom as a mother. As she cradles her sons in her lap and she'll speak of the good things of God. I pray that your blessing will be upon this home. And Brother Nathan, as he will be the high priest of it, I pray, God, that you'll give him discernment. I pray that you'll give him wisdom in the days ahead. I pray for these boys, Lord. Bentley Andrew, Dayton, Angelo. Bless these young men. Father, if there should be days ahead, would you just keep your hand and lead them into the promise of your word. Save them in their youth. We commit them all to you and dedicate these young boys and this family to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, Brother Nathan. God bless you. God's not dead, He's alive. And we're thankful for it and seeing the different ones around the room. Uh, Mark and uh, his wife is sitting here. Who are you anyways? How long were you gone? Three months. Se- seemed like three years. Nice to have you back. God bless you all, those that are visiting amongst us. Nice to have you here in the presence of the Lord. We love the Lord Jesus we love what God's doing in our generation, and we're not ashamed of it. And we declare that by God's grace and by His mercy, He's the one that found me. He's the one that found you this morning. So let's stand to our feet without, without any further delay. I, I sort of had an earthquake in the back pastor study when the pastor was uh, mentioning that there's a wedding this week. Brother Jean, I know it's traumatic, but you'll pass, it'll pass. It'll pass. I, I I I've gone through it, and each one is traumatic, but it's still good. Is Justin here? Is Justin here? No? Yes? Maybe? All right. I'm sure that he's he's just about ready to collapse on the responsibility to take a hold of Naomi. <laughs> and I'll have something to say about that at the. At the wedding. So we look forward to that this week on Friday. Amen. Let's bow our heads once again in a word of prayers. We now turn to the Word. Heavenly Father, songs have been sung to the glory of God. A family has been dedicated to the glory of God. And Now, Lord, a group of people have gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. a name that is above all names. The one that we love the one we cherish, the one we adore. Without you, Lord, we have nothing. You're more than life to us, for you are our life, Lord. And Father God, I just trust that this would be a house of praise. I pray, Lord, that there would be a liberty this morning where the children of God would rejoice in the promises of God. Lord, you will not leave us behind. You have given us a promise. And we embrace that promise this morning. You have called us, Lord, in this generation to put on a body change. And, Lord, that promise is closer than it's ever been. And, Lord, we're expecting it with great expectation. So I'm praying now that you'll bless your children as we look into the eternal Word. Brother John, as he's in Victoria, I pray that you'll watch over him. Lord, he'll be speaking this afternoon. Bless the meeting. Bless the saints there, we pray. Bless the Word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, many amen, amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You seem a little quiet this morning. That's all right. I don't think I'm going to preach as such. More just uh, laying some thoughts out. Uh, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, reading at verse fifty-seven. The Bible says this, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Can we read verse 58 together, please? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. You may have your seats. would like you also please turn with me to 2nd Peter, 2nd Peter chapter 3, 2nd Peter chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, 2nd Peter chapter 3, 2nd Peter chapter 3, 16 and 17. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. I want you to take special note of that scripture, please. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. That means they wrestle with it. And they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction you, therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Those are very powerful scriptures as we've looked at them very quickly, and I want to do a little bit of an overview. We are living in a time where it seems, and, and, and you know, the, the Lord was really dealing with me over this, this, this week, and yet Brother Murphy, when he was speaking, sort of capsulized it, and I thought, well, what do I preach anyways? Uh, he did a, a wonderful job, because there is a deceitfulness that does come with riches, and there's a deceitfulness that comes with Laodicea, because it's rich and increased with goods. So, uh, a lot of times people are deceived and yet in the word meaning of deception, they don't know they're deceived. And so that's, that's a great deception. It's that a person that is deceived doesn't know they're deceived. But then it would only take the grace of God to open our eyes to this kind of deception. Because outside of God coming by our way, how would we know we're deceived? How would we know that? Let's be honest with ourselves. A lot of people believe a lot of things that are nonsense. If you want to go on the whole spectrum of humanity right now, you would say mankind has lost its mind. And you don't have to really dredge up or say too much because you're in contact with it every day and you know what I'm talking about. It's insane. And they call that sanity. So now we're living in the time when they call insanity, sanity. Then we look at a people that have been cleaned by the Word of God, washed by the blood of the Lamb, have a desire to be holy, want to make it to heaven, and they call you insane. Now that's insanity. Insanity. So, what happens to this when you're in this change of thought? It causes, and Satan is a master craftsman at this. It causes instability. That's why I halt you between two opinions. Brother Ram says, now, that will cause amnesia. So when now the thoughts of man and the thoughts of society and the moral compass has gone and buried its needle, it causes a whole nation, if not a nation, it causes a world to be so unsettled and so unstable. Are you with me so far? And that is what Satan's tactic was in the garden, is the same tactic that's in Satan's Eden's garden. He was the one that destabilized Eve and Adam in the garden. It was stable until he came. Do you understand that? Until Satan came, the whole economy of God was stable. Do you get that? It was perfect peace, perfect rest. Is that right? But then Satan came to destabilize. Destabilize Adam, destabilize Eve. And now, since Eve or Eden till now, Satan has done a great work at destabilizing people's minds, their hearts, Their desires. That's his tactic. Does everybody understand that? Don't look, don't, don't, please don't fall back into the place. Well, that, that's something I do know. No, you're in it every day. Every news item you put in your mind, Satan wants to destabilize you. That is why God brought his word to us in this age. Outside of this message, you are unstable. I don't care how you slice it and how you dice it. The people you work with are unstable, and they're trying to make you unstable, and Satan uses them. Does everybody understand that? The people that Satan anoints is to make you unstable in your thinking. I remember when I first saved and I was working uh, uh, in, in, and we uh, um selling out a, a department store and, a, and the manager at that point was a Mormon. A Mormon. And, you know, my mom was background as Mormon. Not proud of it. I have nothing to do with it. I've never been influenced by it, but I hate it. It's wrong. It's false. It's not even Christianity. I'll just put it right down, right down to that part right there. So anyways, I'm a young Christian. I've been saved February, March, April, May, three, four months now. And this, this man is now, you know, helping uh, liquidate the store or get rid of the goods. And he puts his arm around me. It's a hot day like it is outside here. And he puts his arm around me. he says, brother, he says, Tom, he says, don't you just love it when it's summer with all the halter tops? And I looked at him and I said, I'll tell you what, Darren. I said, the day I got saved, my eyes looked to Calvary. But I don't care who you are. I don't care what, what advertisement you see on your computer. Satan is there to destabilize you from the purity of God. And you might as well say amen. You get the same as I do. And I turn my computer off when they happen to come flashing up. What they show as advertisement was pornography when I was a child. Because the moral compass has now been shattered. And Satan's tactic is to get you to think like him. And you and I need to deny it. Deny it. Homosexuality, you deny it. Lesbianism, you deny it. It's a demon on this age. And if you've got boys or you've got girls that are leaning that way, you better have a prayer meeting in your home. It's everywhere. It's infiltrated. You thought it was going to be nothing in 1972 when I was at UBC. They had a big, uh, a big uh, what do you call them? A... Um, thing of trying to promote lesbianism, gayism and the whole gay movement. It was laughable in 1972. 1972, it was laughable. Now they're controlling your governments. Now you want that kind of people to start to infiltrate and destabilize your minds? You need to get into the message. You need to get the Word of God to clear out the flues of your heart. We call it higher education. You want to send your children to the, to the very betting round of it. You better think about it. You better pray about it. And I, Hey, they can lock me up for all day. I care. But I will stand against it. I will deny it, saints of God. It is a devil and it's a demon. And it's out to destabilize and is destabilizing countries and nations. And if you never had a message that came, if you never had the mind of God, that God came through a prophet in this generation... You wouldn't have a chance. I saw my mom when they first put some, some garbage on the television where she was irate about it when the boys were small. Now because she's been the frog in the water, they haven't been able to have their minds washed by the water of the word. It becomes an acceptance. And if you get around too many of those kind of people, you better watch out. You better find out who your friends are, who your associates are, who you hang around, and who you let influence your mind. Somebody was talking to me about a girl or, or something like that, and and you know, is it all right to take out this or to help a sister pick her up on a street? And I said, Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Where does that lukewarm, destabilizing thought come from? The Bible says you abstain from all the appearance of evil. You abstain from it. Can you imagine a married man picking up a sister or taking a single sister somewhere and somebody see that? Don't get too familiar Stay with the word. You better check your thoughts. And you better bring it through this. And you better bring it through this. You sang a song at the very beginning. I have it on top of my page. So let the storm clouds rise. They don't worry me. I might speak about it this morning, but that does not worry me. I'm sorry, friends, that does not worry me. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I cannot be destabilized by Satan's Eden because I have been birthed into another kingdom. And we cry out, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. What an age. What a perverted age. You can't get away from it. The only way you can do it, lock yourself into a prayer room. Read your Bible. Listen to the message. Eat the message. That's the only way you can free yourself from what's out there and trying to influence you. The man of sin was revealed by the Son of Man. Come on, stay with me. The man of sin was revealed by the Son of Man. The wicked one. Not only has he come in its flatteries to religion, he's come into his flatteries of commerce and economics. That man of sin has come. But I want to let you know, that is the brightness of this glorious coming of the Lord, my Bible says, destroys him at this coming. Now, I should have got a little bit more than that, but that's okay. I want to let you know that the coming of this message destroys the wickedness of Satan's kingdom in your life. And you say, Amen. I want to hear from the high priest of the home. Amen. 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 I've seen that spirit try to come in my home. I bind it in Jesus' name. You watch what clothes you wear. You watch what hairdos you put on. And, and we used to worry about the hairdos of the women. I think it's better to worry about the hairdos of the men. Our God is much greater. And I, you know what, fathers, daddies? You know, I, I, I'm just going to throw it out. You can do with what you want, but you better get a hold of this message. Because what we've battled through our years, if God should tarry, you're going to battle a lot worse then. I'm going to maybe make another statement for you. This message is going to cost you something. Everybody hear that statement? This message is going to cost you something. To follow the Lord Jesus is going to cost you something. It's one and the same, saints. Don't get get it mixed up here. Following Jesus is going to cost you. Following this message is going to cost you. Is that true? It's going to cost you. But can I say something else? By not following Jesus, by not following this message, it will cost you more. Do you hear me, young man? You say, well, this is going to cost me something. Yeah, it's going to really cost you something. Following Jesus is going to cost you something. It might cost you some school friends. It might cost you some family. Where Jesus said, unless you forsake mother, father, sister, brother, you're not worthy of me. But if you do follow mother, or if you do separate and follow him, he will give you mother, father, sister, brother. Is that what he said? But what has your life been until Jesus came? Tell me what 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 pay, what kind of cost has Satan taken from you? Your health, your peace of mind, your happiness. He's he's giving you a bottle. He's giving you some dope, or he, he's giving you something. It's cost you something. And for a lot of people's homes, it's cost them their marriage. So I'd rather pay the price. Take the cost following Jesus. I'd rather be a beggar in Jesus' economy and gain heaven than have heaven in Satan's economy and go to hell. Do you understand people? There's a heaven and there's a hell. It's something it's gonna cost you some time. There's no free ride. No free ride. Sorry. No, you're going to cost you something. It'll cost you maybe for young people that don't commit themselves, their virginity. It's going to cost them. Sexual transmitted diseases. It's going to cost something. You're going to pay the price somewhere. But then you take Jesus. It'll keep you from that and give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory, whether you have two nickels to rub together or nothing, you're happy in Jesus. Everybody okay? We're all right. So I was saying the last... Sunday ago, when I ended the service, as Jesus knew who He was under the anointing, goes to the house of God, takes the book, finds Himself in the Bible, opens the book of Isaiah, shows who He was in the Word, and He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. And we say, that's true, as I preached. And Jesus did his part under the Old Testament. He fulfilled all ph- prophecy of His, of what the uh, Bible said that he was to do. And then the prophet turns around the masterpiece and says, now the bride, she is to fill, fulfill the New Testament. And Brother Bram turns around then and says, she's him. So then if he healed the brokenhearted, if he healed the brokenhearted, then there's a part that you and I have to play. To heal the broken hearted. So the anointing, he said, is not emotion. The, uh, the anointing, he said, is not emotion. The anointing is supreme power over every situation. And when I said that, Sister Lisa was sitting there. She came to me on Wednesday night or last Sunday. She said, Brother Tom, when you spoke that, she said, it set me free So it wasn't loud, it wasn't, it was just quoting the word, and what does it do? It takes supreme control of the situation. So now we say we are anointed, not by emotion, but now God taking supreme control, so that you and I will not be unstable. if you go back into the 40's and you go into the archives of preachers and what they preached and it just seemed like it was just so you know, hardly getting down to the surface below the surface hardly getting there and yet the anointing of God would fall and they would run through the building they would sing they would worship they would do the Holy Spirit was falling down and then a prophet turns around and says it is not the emotion." It is now we are anointed to take now control, supreme control of every situation. Daddies, you're going to have broken hearted homes. Your little darling daughters are going to come wounded. You will need the anointing to minister to them. Daddies, you will need this anointing to help you minister and discern situations in your home that will help heal the broken-hearted, to bandage it, to bind it up, to heal it. A lot of hurts. Leah, I know you're here, honey. But I remember when Leah was, I believe, around 12 years old. Now she probably doesn't have a clue what I'm going to say, neither does her dad, and they're looking at me very sternly. But Leah has a brother called Matthew, which we're all well aware of. And Leah came home one day after school, and dad asked, How does your school day go? Oh, she said, Daddy, it was terrible. They made fun of my hair. They made fun of my dress. They made fun of what I stand for. And she was just a little bit, you know, you know, as a young lady would be. You want to be accepted. But, honey, I want to tell you something. You have always been accepted in the beloved. And so I think Brother Ken turned to Matthew and said, how was your day? He said, fine. Because, uh, you know, a, a fella has a whole different gear system. The sisters, they wear it on the outside as their manifestation of what they're believing. Fellas have it on the inside, but they got to let it get to the outside by speaking it. So Matthew said, "Ah." and Dad says, how did you do, Matt? He says, well, I did great today. He said, well, how come you did so great? I don't tell him nothing. (laughs) Matt, forgive me. You've changed. He's changed. Don't worry. But it, it, it is something that we have to minister to our children. We have to take our darlings that God's given us. And we've got other darlings in the assembly that have taken care of our children. Those that have been single, those that have been widowed, they have come into our homes. And they have strengthened our children. And I want to say, by the Word of God, they have healed the broken hearted. And maybe on that day when that great crown is given, those that have never had children, but you've ministered to our children, there will be a crown for you on that day. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. What you've meant to my family and my family here. We had one brother who said I didn't ever want to come to camp. He said I didn't have any never had children. I said, well, I want you to be a counselor. He said, I don't want to be a counselor. So I, I, I said, I want you to be a counselor. He said, I can't even, I can't even identify with the children. I said, you will. So I didn't even talk to him through camp. I didn't say nothing. Two weeks goes by and I met him in the back of the, in the foyer here. And he said, brother Tom, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for making me, making me become a counselor. I don't make anybody become a counselor. I try I to persuade. But he said, I want to thank you from the depths of my heart that I was able to come to camp and be a a, a little help to some of these little boys. And then he broke down and cried. He said, Brother Tom, you know what just happened to me by the washroom? I said, what's that? He said, one of the little boys in my cabin grabbed me by the hand and said, Brother. He said, I'm so thankful that you were in my cabin this year. It meant so much to me. So we talk about great scriptures opening up but I want to let you know that brother ministered to our children and he healed a broken heart. He healed a heart. And you know what? By him giving out, he got back. Come on, here's your secret. By you giving out, God gives back. That's why Brother Bram said living for others is eternal life. Eternal life. Brother came to me not too long ago, and there's many stories over time, and different ones will have come up with their own stories. Brother, brother put an offering into the offering box, and a brother was waiting outside with him for extra, and had something for him, shook his hand, and he didn't want to open his hand because he knew there were some bills in his hand. He said, I couldn't give the offering. He said, I, I didn't want to give, I wanted to give an offering, but I had some, I had something that that $50 could do. But he said, ah, give it to the Lord. I like that. Give it to the Lord. So he gave it to the Lord. The brother gave him a handshake, and there was $200 in his hand. He said, praise the Lord. Don't let that be your principle. It just happens. (laughs) Sell your home. (laughs) No, I'm only, shouldn't do that. God works in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. We had a Wednesday night service, Wednesday night, and it was more than a service. It was the healing of the brokenhearted. It was those that had a need and the Holy Spirit came down and ministered to many needs that were represented here. Does God care? I want to hear the assembly say, Yes, He cares. Every service is a red-letter day for me. Say, praise the Lord. I don't come to church because I have to come to church. I come to church because I know that the Word of God is going to minister to my soul. And I need it in this destabilizing age. I need the Word to stabilize me. Thank God. What good, Brother Brown says, what good, Sister Eleanor, what good would a historical God do us if he was only historical? What good would it be just that the God of William Branham was back in the 60s? Don't, whoa, 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 whoa. Just a second. That pillar of fire has moved on from 60 to pick me up in 70. Who did he pick up in 80? Who got in 90? Who's in 2000? It was the pillar of fire that picked you up. (laughs) Brother Ram said it was the resurrection that sought you out. What to do? To take the instability out of your lives. Come on. How many people, I know people, church people, people think that, Church people weren't drug addicts. You got drugged at church Wednesday? You got drugged at church Saturday, Sunday? Huh? Uh, I, I just read a testimony the other day of a, a fellow. He was helping his next door neighbor. And he's just a fine boy, just like Joseph. Just like Joseph here. Just a fine young man. And he saw the lady needed something. He jumps the fence, he goes over, helps her up her stairs, gets her groceries into the front door. She says, what's made you so wonderful? Oh, he says, I was a drug addict. (laughs) She goes, no, you weren't. You're too nice a boy. Nope. He said, my mom drugged me church Sunday, drugged me church Wednesday, drugged me to church Sunday night. I was drugged all over the place. (laughs) He said, but one day... One day, Jesus took that drug addiction away. Come on. God took that away. It's no more a drug addiction. It's a want addiction. I want more of Jesus. I want more of Jesus. How do you get more of Jesus? By giving you more of yourself to Him. Instability. Oh, my. And the girls, I didn't hear any amens out of you. Because when you first got graduated, your big thing was, who am I going to marry? You think it's Bob. One week, till he blows it. (laughs) Then it's David. See, I'm using names that nobody knows who I'm talking about. But it becomes so unstable. But if you could just come to a rest in Jesus Christ... God will bring your prince charming to you, and to the brothers, God will bring your Rebecca to you. Rest. Don't let the instability of Hollywood. This guy's not right. I'll get ditch him, and this girl's not right. I'll ditch them. Every checkout is some garbage on some magazine. What is it trying to do? Destabilize your mind. You say it's just the picture. That picture will stick in your mind. That thought will stick in your mind. I abort it in the name of Jesus. You guys, I, you guys excuse me, you brothers go to work in some of the most unfilthy atmospheres. You look at the lockers, you've got to keep your head down. You say something and they make a mockery of you. And they put it more in front of your face. But don't you worry that does cost you something but there's a greater reward that awaits you let the word be your stability don't let thoughts don't let emotion don't let people sway you people try and sway you persuade you into what they think you should do if you got I like what the rabbi said. So I'll use the rabbi rather than sisters or brothers. I may remember brother, or brother Rabbi Richmond? Rabbi Richmond here. Sure, he was here. And what he said, he, it was, he was going over, I think the subject he was speaking on was repentance. And I thought it was one of the best messages I ever heard on repentance. And I told him so. I said, is that a theme that you have? He says, that's a theme that I use wherever I go. Well, I said, good, because Jen, Benjamin has to repent. Well, that's my part. His part was, when he was telling about it, he said, you know, he says, don't ever speak evil of your rabbi. Don't ever speak evil of your ministry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. did that go over? Somebody said the first time, let's, he said, don't ever speak evil of any rabbi. He said, why? Because you don't know that God's going to use that rabbi to speak to your child. But because you've crucified him, you've roasted and baked him. You've now dissuaded the influence that that man would have on your child. And you've hampered the very thing that God was going to use to bring your child in. Then he turned around and said, you know, for every one, for every, he says, now, if you had five rabbis in the room and asked them a question on any subject, you'll get 25 opinions. I go, whoa, doesn't that destabilize you? Well, he says, you know, things change. You think about this, but you forgot about that. And I thought, oh, that'd be terrible to live under that kind of an influence. I said, but God sent a prophet. And it's not one opinion here and one opinion there. It's thus saith the Lord. What's that to do? To stabilize a home, stabilize an individual, to stabilize a church. Hallelujah. That's why people leave and go, because they got an opinion. If they would go back to the Bible, back to this message, and say that that's my absolute, you're a prisoner to that. And then they want to be given the benefit, while well, we're still believers. Of what, I ask? Of what? Of the interpretation of what you put on the message. Oh, my. Listen, saints. This message doesn't change. Doesn't change. Every answer for every question you have in your life is laying in Thus saith the Lord. People let things go on and fester on and fester on and fester on when the answer is laying right before you. But Satan gets you so busy... Then you talk to this sister or brother or this couple and they've got this idea. If you just went to the Word, every question, you wouldn't have to let it fester. you still with me? People make a mockery of this message. Mm-hmm. They do. They mock it. I wouldn't let nobody in my home that would mock my message. I've stood against my family, who I love dearly. I've stood against my mother, who I cherished as one of the greatest mothers, outside of being a Christian mother. And because of their stance of morality, I say, you'll never see me come through your door. You go that way, you will never see me. You'll never see my judge You say, well, that's pretty hard. Yeah? It was I, I say it was forced maybe this morning, but I was broken, I'm crying, my wife is consoling me. But what do you do? You win them. By making a stand, you win them. By not making a stand, you won't win them. Can I say that again? If you don't make a stand, you will never win them. You think you're going to win them by your charismatic nature or maybe your wisdom of your understanding of it. You won't win them. It will take God himself to win them. Just an hour. Okay. Sunday, right? I won't freak you out by telling you I have a six-hour sermon either. But I'll tell you one thing. I do want whatever God wants for us. We don't. What good would a historical God do me when I'm standing against the very people God has given me to raise if I couldn't say the God that met William Branham The God that met Jacob, the God that met Moses, the God that met Jeremiah, that's my God. The God that came to Nathaniel, the God that came to Philip, the God that came to Peter, the God that came to Andrew. That God is my God. Why? Here is one of the most stabilizing scriptures for you. You ready? Everybody, I know you're dying on the edge of your seat. You have to come back next week because I'll preach part two then. No, I'm gonna mean give it now, but part two will. This will be part two. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, come on, today, and forever. Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many times did Brother Branham use that, Brother Tom? 3,100 times. I would think that by that scripture alone, God was trying to stabilize the people in a destabilized age. And He wasn't bringing a God of history, but as He titled the message, raising Him out of history. Listen to what the Ram says here, and Christ revealed in his own word. Now my text is Christ is revealed in his own word. Now where I come to that conclusion to talk on this, knowing that what we say we must we mustn't just say, because we're gathered together to just haphazardly. Speak on something. But it's something that will help stabilize the people. I don't want to speak on something that's just haphazard. But something that will stabilize you. As Peter says, you won't be wavering. You won't be unstable. You'll be steadfast and sure. He said, now I just don't want to speak on something haphazardly, but I want to speak on something that will stabilize the people for we're going to pass through dangerous and treacherous waters. 1965, brother Roy, how danger, How much more dangerous have the waters become? How much more dangerous have the people become? Waters, multitudes and people. How much more perverted in 65 to now 2018? And if God should tarry, how much more treacherous will those waters become? He says we're already sailing through them. And sometimes I guess it's with you like it is with me. It seems like much of it is so... Here's the prophet being very honest. Scary. But then here's a quote that now just starts to settle you down. Stabilize you now. Stabilize. Calm you. And realize When a man or a woman, when a man or a woman catches the vision of an invisible God, that He's always present. Are you listening, girls? Right here. That God is always present. There's something that stabilizes His thinking. So the things you think you're getting away with, that nobody saw you, the deacons didn't see you, elders, didn't, the pastor never saw you. Saints, that is such a carnal statement. He sees you in the watch nights. He sees you in your laying down and your uprisings. He says, but this is what will stabilize your thinking. Once a man or a woman catches the vision of an invisible God and know that He's always present, there's something that stabilizes that man's thinking. It stabilizes his actions. God's present. Praise the Lord. Not by emotion. But by taking now that situation... Under your supreme control. Hmm. So you won't act that way around the girl in the office, brothers. Brother Bram said trying to make a hit on them or he said even to ask a girl out for coffee is committing adultery. And how far has Satan destabilized that thought in the minds of people? That sounds so silly. That is what God spoke to us in this generation. And you will walk with another woman and your wife not there. Saints of God, that is a destabilized thinking pattern. You have opened yourself up to unclean living. Now, saints, listen. I'm sorry for bearing down on this, but we want to keep the church clean. Yeah. Look how that serpent so slyly came into the garden of Eden. They had the word. But Satan came. But God has given us now supreme control over every situation. So I wouldn't just jump into something. I'd weigh it out. I'd pray about it. If you catch it, man and woman, boy, girl, teenager, that God's always present. And that's, I preached on years ago on the seven compound names of God. And we took to Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Tiskanu, and the last one of the seven parts of the seven redemptive names of God is Jehovah Shama, the Lord present. But then Brother Bram preaches in a message called the seven redemptive names of God. And he says, you can't have Jehovah Jireh without God being present. You can't have victory without God being your victory. You can't have righteousness without the God of righteousness. So you can't separate any attribute of God. He said, I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Once you catch a revelation of that He's always present, it will stabilize Brother Ram said your thinking, it will stabilize your actions, and in time of distress and trouble, you will not be moved. Praise the Lord. The thought. Praise the Lord. I mean, If the Word doesn't come to stabilize us, then why are we even listening to it? Why is your deep even calling for it? Because you are wanting to be stable. You're wanting to be steadfast. You're wanting to be immovable. That is the cry of a believer's heart. So then to be anchored in that tonight, God is present then. According to his word, that he would never leave you nor forsake you. If we took a look, a very quick look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was under the blood of bulls and goats. Even when the king, the king came, king said, bow. What was that to do? Destabilize their faith. Come on. Because it's all to do spiritual. To take them away from God. But they were so stable in God that it didn't matter what the king said. It didn't matter what the government of British Columbia said. It doesn't matter what the government of Canada said. Are you listening? It will come to destabilize you. Try and move the lines. There is no moving the line. You move it now, you'll move it tomorrow. You move it tomorrow, you'll move it next day. Then let me tell you, can you give land for peace? Because if Satan gives up one little piece of you give him one piece of land, he's going to want another piece of land. He's going to want another piece of land. You tell the devil this morning, you're not having any of my land. This land is my land. Come on. This land is my land. From the soles of my feet to the top of my head. I hear an amen. Amen. This land. Josh is my land. No devil gonna tell me how to think. No government gonna tell me how to act. Is my God able? He's more than able. Just bow. Just bow. What's wrong with bowing? Symbol. No, sir man, they had a backbone. They had a backbone in what they believed. Doesn't say anybody else. Daniel must have... I kept on looking for Daniel. Where's Daniel? What on earth is Daniel doing? History says he was out in another land at the time of the decree. Because I know Daniel would never have been. He would never have bowed. And Daniel would never have burned either. But the God of Daniel, the God of their prophet. The God of Daniel was the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And the God of William Branham, he is my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I won't bow to their decrees. I ain't going to bow to their decrees, thanks. I'm not going to fudge on one thing. I'm not going to move the line one time. I did it before. I did it when I was in the world. I gave up this land, and I gave up that land. I gave up this. Just try it once. Just do this once. And it cost me. It cost me. But then when Jesus came, he took away those pains. Hallelujah. And I won't bend. I won't burn. I'm going into rapture. Margaret, did they teach you back east, this land is my land? This land is your land? From Bonavista to Vancouver Island to the great lake waters? Huh? They were instilling in us as children, Canada is my land. Well, let me tell you something. That did something for me, Margaret. Because when I came into this land, I started to see Genesis... I started to see Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. I saw Joshua in a new way. Because that is my land. Revelation, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. It's all my land. And if any angel preach any other gospel than what I preach to you, let him be accursed. Amen. That's to stabilize us. Stabilize us in a destabilized nation and a destabilized world. You know, in, in the '60s, when, when the art of destabilization, destabilizing a country was in effect, they would send in guerrillas, they would send in the rebels. they would send in, and the first thing they did was kill judges, lawyers. Teachers murder anybody that has an influence on society so that they can sway the people's minds. That's what they wanted to do. And there's bloodshed everywhere because they wanted to destabilize the country so that they could come back in, in in that destabilization to now stabilize it to their way of thinking. And that's what the devil wants to do, to destabilize you, to get you stable in his line of thinking. And if you give up anything, you give up everything. Do you have a few more minutes? I'll skip a couple of things here. On is solid. On Christ's solid rock. I stand. All other ground is. Ah. On Christ's solid rock. I stand. So that's individual. It's an individual personal revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus yourself. I don't want your thinking on any subject if it doesn't come through this message or this word. I'm sorry. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to be destabilized. We can go through many examples. Moses was destabilized until the burning bush came. His mom told him one thing, Pharaoh told him another thing, and poor Moses. And then Moses tries to do it in his own strength, and poor Moses. But as we said this morning, Nathan, God looks at through the blood. Because my Bible says that Moses, it didn't affect him at all. That's the way God sees it. But when that burning bush took place, it ignited him and stabilized him. Moses, we're told, was 80 years old. How old was Miriam? Well, you know, I, I know that, you know, uh, Cecil B. DeMills has influenced a lot of people here. And you look at Moses as some stately man, he was 80 years old. And Miriam had to be at least six, seven years older. So she had to be 86 because she was following the basket in the, in the weeds, right? You wouldn't send a four-year-old out. Five, maybe six. If you learn to swim among crocodiles, maybe. But let's say she's six or seven. So here's Miriam, 87, dancing. Oh, I'd love to dance this morning. <laughs> You're scared I'm going to, aren't you? Yeah. Here she has her tambourine and she's dancing. 87. among, um, In front of 2 million plus people. And she cried out rejoicing. And the horse and her rider. They've been destabilized too long. But when the word came. The revelation of his presence came. I'll be with you Moses. Come on. Don't look at me as you're a proud beaten people. You aren't a proud beaten people. You are the elected lady. Hallelujah. Here's an 87-year-old woman tambourine dancing. The horse and her rider, Karen. The horse and their rider. I'll tell you, there's gonna be another dance. There's gonna be another people, there's gonna be another pit. Amen. We're going to do another dance with the horse and its rider. Pale horse, red horse, black horse. We might as well start rejoicing because that end is coming. Hallelujah. Sometime? Or all the time? All the time. So we understand then destabilization comes through Satan. And we can take example, example throughout the scripture, take it all down to Satan's Eden, and Satan's Eden, Satan has destabilized the whole world. We got an amen on that. So we got that. So ride through the serpent, and it will be finished with the serpent. But I want to say to you, saints of God, that this message came not only to heal the broken heart, can we read the rest of the scripture? Let's turn to Luke 4. I hope something said to encourage you in the faith. Hebrews chapter 4. If you found it, say amen. Amen. Some did, some haven't. Okay. I feel like this is a sword drill. Luke chapter four, reading at verse seventeen, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to what?" Heal the brokenhearted. Has the message come to heal the brokenhearted? Can you say amen? amen. Did, has it healed us? It heals us individually, it's healed our homes, and it's healed our church. Healed the brokenhearted. But it doesn't stop there. But to preach deliverance to the captive. So we gotta stop there because there's much more to cover. But now it's not just to heal the brokenhearted. Come on, come on. This is now to now stabilize you in the faith, to liberate you in the faith, to let you know that the God that healed your broken heart, that covered you, and ministered to you, and has strengthened you and has turned you heaven bound, is now what's he doing? preaching deliverance to the captive. And can you say, by the word of God, I'm free, Brother Tom. (laughs) we were held bound captive by denomination. Come on. That Roman Catholic system knows how to bind the people. They bind them by fear. And then her daughters use the same technique, binding you by fear. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Anglican, I don't care. Every church, every daughter uses the same tactic to hold their people by fear. Like one minister when when I got saved and we weren't really church-going people, but my mom and dad were trying to pull at straws anything they wanted, anything they could do from stopping me to go to a little house. They said, please, go see Reverend Packham. I said, Reverend Packham? Really? They said, just promise us you'll go see him. He was a United Church minister. That doesn't mean anything. So don't, don't, don't get too deep on me here. They believe everything and nothing. They don't even believe the Bible. I asked them that. I said, you don't even believe the Bible? He says, of course not. I said, then you better stand up on Sunday morning and hold it up and tell the people you don't believe the Bible. They won't do that. They won't do that, saints. But my mom and dad said, go, go see him. I said, sure, I'll go see him. So I went to see him, and he sat me down, and we had a cup of tea. And he says, you know, Tom, I go, yes. He says, what you believe is a little fanatical. I said, really? He says, you know that it breaks up homes. I said, really? He says, yes, I'm, I, I can, I can I vouch for that myself. It breaks up homes. I says, really? I says, you know, I don't know much. But I know one thing. I know I'm saved. That's one thing I know. Another thing I know, as it was in the days of Sodom, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the revealing of the Son of Man. I said, Noah was a prophet. He said, yes. I said, so God said that at His revealing or in His coming or in His manifestation... He's got to have a prophet. And I said, that prophet happens to be William Branham. But I said, you always look at the negative. I look at the positive. How many homes were healed? How many homes were healed? Don't you give me the negative, because I can tell you how many homes the devils broke up. But I know how many homes that Jesus has healed. You tell me a home that the devil healed. Tell me one home the devil healed, Not one. But Jesus heals the home. You know what he did? Put his arm around me and showed me the door. It was unsettling to him, but it was very settling for me. He said, you're crazy. I said, I'm not crazy. And I love the quote Brother Bram said, The gospel never made any man crazy. It is the gospel that made crazy man sane. So Satan's Eden is geared to destabilize. The word has come to stabilize your home. Don't put it on a shelf. Put it in your living room. Gather your families together. I do not think the children were playing when the death angel was coming through Goshen. It was a family time. Get your family around you. And give the Lord some time. That's instruction. It will do you good. Because I can tell you something. It works. It works. So, is Satan's Eden self-evident to you? That it's destabilized. Is that 100% or maybe only 99%? Does somebody here think that the world is lovely and it's getting better? Just please stand there. I want to talk to you afterwards. Anybody thinks the world's getting better. That's what my mom always used to say. Son, you're always preaching doom and gloom. No, I ain't, Mom. I'm preaching future home things are to be. Rapture. I said the doom and gloom is the sin part. The redemption part is glory. I'll tell you what's doom and gloom. Waking up every morning and reading the news. That's doom and gloom. What's Trump going to do today? My <laughs> My goodness. I think he's on one big bandwagon himself just to destroy everything. But you know, Brother Brown does say, he says, God's going to allow them to vote the wrong person. Oh, you get, are, you, are you a Hillary Clinton fan? Really? Did that thought ever come through your mind? I'm no fan. I'm Jesus fan. I'm the Word fan. But he's a one-man wrecking crew. Let him go. The prophet's already prophesied world falling apart and he's just helping it. Don't worry about it. That's the destabilized people. That's the deceitfulness. The economy's good. Oh, praise the Lord. We're safe. I got RSPs. I got 401Ks. I got... No. Yeah. Just wait. Your interest is going to go up. Your payments are going to double. And you're going to forget the good times and worry about now the bad times. But saints of God, if that is your attraction, you are in for a big fall. But to me, let it fall. You say, what? What? You've worked hard for the time to what you've got. You've done a lot of things in your life. That's true. And I thank God for everything that I have. But saints, as I told my wife when I moved into our house on 204th, I said, honey, we're not moving in unless you can tell me we can move out. Because I know we can get so settled down. We can get so rooted into Laodicea. We can get so rooted into this world. I want to know if God tells us to leave, we can leave. And we've got to stay that way, saints. We're not trying to have a kingdom here. Let's push the kingdom of God forward. So it's evidently clear that this world's destabilized. Gas just a few weeks, years ago, months ago. I don't know when. It was cheap. I sold a van because it was 59 cents a liter. Give me my van back. I drive around the corner. I said, I think it's gone up again. It's 157. You talk about it. You know, people say, oh, wait till the squeeze comes. I don't know about you, but I've been squeezed a long time. We're always looking for something, not realizing we're in it. But look up. Look up, bride. Don't let that destabilize you. Look up. Your redemption's drawing nigh. Word. Word will be your stabilizing force. Word. Don't put your trust in man. People put a trust in an education. Listen, there's more people like with doctorate degrees driving taxi cabs. Because they lied to the people. If you get a doctor's degree, at least a master's degree, you're going to get something. No, it's not. But they lie. It's deceitful, as you heard on Wednesday. So fitting. And if you weren't here, it would be good for you to listen to it. You know, America was founded on the Declaration of Independence. And I'm not wanting to end this on a history lesson. And I'm not American. American. And I'll tell you one thing. I am a Canadian, but I'm not a Canadian. I live in Canada. And I'm thankful for the land of America as well as I'm thankful for the land of Canada. I'm not slamming nobody or anybody. I've got another kingdom I've been translated into. But we know that America was founded on freedom of religion. So I'm looking at the principle. I'm looking at the principle of it, not the total action of it, but the principle of it. And if you're an American, you should be setting up in your seat right now, because these were B-men, as Brother Bram said, I can identify with. And it did cost them something, and I don't want to belabor the service, because this is a big part of the message, and I'm sorry for taking so long to get to the foundation. If I wasn't a Canadian, I would want to be American after studying this. But I'm not looking at the, at, at the act in itself, but I'm looking at the principle of it. And it's phenomenal. These were men who wanted freedom from the oppressor. These were men of vision. Men of character. They start out, and I'm sure most of you Americans can actually, I don't know whether you can or not. I don't know. I can't can't, uh, rehearse my charter of rights because they got changed so many times. But I think you got the same Declaration of Independence that you had when it first was founded. Isn't that right, Brother West? You still have the same one. All men were created equal. That's, that's how it opens up. In, I think it's the second sentence. All men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are Americans, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So am I passing grade? I'm getting passing grade here. That was what it was founded on. Now you tell me, has that been destabilized? You answer your own question. I'm asking you the question, you answer my question in your own heart. You're telling me that me or you have more rights than the gays, lesbians, transvestites, LBQTR, whatever they call themselves. Who's got more rights? Come on. It's Satan's Eden destabilizing a people. It was founded on. Bible principle. And now it attacks the very thing a nation was founded on. The men who constructed the United States and crafted all of its foundation, uh, founding documents took much great... I'm sorry, my English. Such great personal risks. Now, we talk about the Declaration of Independence, and we respect the Declaration of Independence, and we've lived for hundreds of years now under that Declaration of Independence, but is anybody here... Ever thought the cost it was to write that up? Say, so we are Americans. I'm a Canadian. We got a, we got a Bill of Rights. We, we've got something here. But we've lived in the afterglow of it and benefited from their sacrifice. Has anybody thought about what it cost for those men to stand in that room, those 56 men to draft up that Declaration of Independence? Have we taken the time? Have we looked at it? When they crafted it and they took every word and they weighed it out. These were brilliant men, Brother Murphy. Sharp men. Every word weighed out exactly. Men that constructed, crafted the founding documents took great personal risks. And the first risk they took, they were committing capital treason. They weren't America yet. They weren't America yet. They're wanting freedom from oppression from the British. So in order to launch a nation, it was built on foundational truths. And they were depicted or crafted from the Bible. And now a nation that was founded under God and in God we trust has been so destabilized. They don't want God in the equation no more. Don't tell me nations are getting better. They're getting worse. They spoke of the Creator, that, and they took out of Deut- Deuteronomy six and four. They talk about all men being equal, and each one having importance, taking out of Isaiah 45:23, Philippians 2 and 10. They talk about life and life coming from, and the sacredness of life, coming from Psalms 139, 13 and 16. Liberty was given the emancipatorial theme. Liberty for the captives. They took that out of Luke 4 as we read today. And that's how I got onto this part of the segment. Pursuit of happiness was taught them that it was an individual's right in life to find joy. They took it out of Psalm 16. Psalms 37, 4. Delight thyself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy will remain. Everything that was crafted was taken from the Scripture and given for a nation to be birthed. But it came at a cost. Do you have time to hear what happened to these men? Fifty-six of these men. And I like how Brother Bram said, Fifty-six men but one empty chair. You know who that chair was for? The Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. How far have we fallen? Price that was paid by 56 signers. Have you ever wondered what happened to these 56 men? We have lived under the benefit of their sacrifice. But have we looked back and seen what they gave up so that you and I could live under freedom that Satan has taken away now? Do not put your hope in this world because he's ebbed away and ebbed away and taken away and taken away till finally all your rights will be gone. What happened to these fifty six men? What happened? What happened to them after they signed? Your declaration of independence. Five of the signers were captured by the British as traitors, tortured and died. Five of them. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned by the British. Two lost their sons serving in the Revelation army. Another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds and hardships in the war. They signed, they pledged their lives and their fortunes and sacrificed honor. What kind of men were these men? 24 were lawyers, jurists, 11 were merchants, 9 were farmers, owning plantations, well-educated. They signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty of signing would be death if captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter-trader saw his ship swept by into the sea by the British Navy. They sold his home and property paid his debts and he died in rags by signing. There's a cost. There's a cost. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost continually. He served in Congress Without pay, his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him. His poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymore, Walton, Ginnett, Hayward, Rudgledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of York, Thomas Nelson, Jr., noted the British General Cornwallis had taken over Nelson's home for his headquarters, and he persuaded George Washington To open fire and destroy his home. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife. She died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and and grit's meal were laid to waste for more than a year. He lived in the forest and caves. Returning home to find his wife dead. His children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and broken heart. Norris Livingston suffered similar fates. Such are the testimonies of the sacrifices of the American Revolution. These were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, and they valued liberty more. And the church of the living God said, We value liberty more. They might take our homes. They might take our families. They might take everything we got. But give me liberty or give me death. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Patrick Henry. I love, more I, I read, more I love this man. Patrick Henry was an inveterate and voracious engrosser. Yeah, that's the way I looked like when I first read it too. What does that mean? Their vocabulary in English in those days so surpassed. Anything we try to ramble out. But can I give you the Webster Dictionary of what I just read? It helped me. Maybe it will help you. Patrick Henry was an inveterate. That means he was compulsive. He was voracious. That means he was uncontrollable and unquenchable. Engrosser means he was uncontrollable and unquenchable. To possess all the land beyond what the Brits told him he could have. So the Brits said, you can have only this amount. He says, I want more. Come on. We're going to get the spiritual side of this in a minute. The devil says, you can just have this much. I'm going to take all of it. He He was inveterate. That means he was compulsive in this. This wasn't just a side thing for him. He was consumed with it. He was voracious. It was uncontrollable. It was unquenchable. He was engrosser. That means he was gonna be a possessor. Didn't matter whether the Brits say you could have it or not, it's mine and I claim it, I'm here and get off my land. All right. Now we've got much land to possess. We've got we're closing now. We've got much land to possess. You have much land to possess. In the natural, these men gave up everything for your natural liberty. We had men of God throughout the ages that gave up everything. We had 68 million martyrs that gave their blood for this Holy Ghost gospel. Saints, are we going to be empty on that day? No, we're going to give everything. Stand for truth. Stand for freedom. Stand for liberty. I like what Patrick Henry said. He said, I was born an American. I live as an American. And I die as an American. Can I change that for a minute? This is what Tom Ray said I was born a Christian. I live a Christian and I'll rapture a Christian. These were great men in the natural. Let's have great and men and women in the spiritual. Satan's burned our homes, burned our influences, burned our families, taking everything from us. But I'm an engrosser. I'm inveterate. I'm going to take all my land. I don't care what the devil tells me. I'll take what God tells me. That's why a prophet in the closing parts of his ministry, 1964, 1964, 1965, 1965. We need another Patrick Henry. I do not believe he was talking about a Patrick Henry back in 1776. I think he's talking about men who can stand to their position. I need another Patrick Henry. He says we need another one. We need an America who can stand uh, regardless of what the politics are. Call right, right. Come on, this is your prophet, this is my prophet. Call right, right, wrong, wrong. Don't move the lines. Don't move the lines. You lived under liberty for over 200 years. Well, Brother Ram said uh, it doesn't last for 200 years. So it's declined. And Brother Ram said the decline of America happened in 1956. They refused the gospel. So now let me tell you something. It's Ichabod over America. It's Ichabod. The glory of God left America that we just talked about. Ichabod left Canada. Ichabod left the world. But I'll tell you one thing. When a man or a woman ever gets the idea that he's always present, that will stabilize them. Ichabod, the glory of God left them. That's what it means. The glory of God left them. It left England. It left Germany. It left America. It left Canada. But I want to tell you the glory of God has come down in this generation in a people that is represented here in this assembly. Give me this liberty. He healed the brokenhearted and he sets the captive free. Are you free? They gave their life's blood as natural man. But that day at Calvary, there was that man at Calvary who gave his life's blood to Almighty God. Amen. Died to give you liberty. Don't you ever lose sight of that. I think America lost sight of even these men's names. But I'll never want to lose sight of Calvary and what God's done for you and me, for whom the sun sets free. Are you free this morning? Amen. Musicians, please come. I'm sorry for holding you this long. Give me liberty. Give me death. We see, Brother Rams said, Ichabod written over the country. The glory of God's departed. It's not even on the people. And they go to church, they worship, and there's no glory there. Sorry, friends. it's what a prophet said. But a people that will realize that He's ever-present in every decision that we make, it will, desta- it will stabilize your thoughts. It will stabilize your actions because the glory of God is not Left his people. They get shifted by every wind of doctrine, but there is a people in this last age that cannot be moved. To God be the glory. You say, Brother Tom, it's maybe not as emotional as we would like it to, to have been. No, the anointing is not emotion. It's taking some cream, supreme control over the situation. Jesus didn't have to get emotional when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. He just said, Satan, get thee behind me. Let's take control of our situations. He's healed the brokenhearted, he set you free. He set the captive free this morning. And if you're free, you cannot be bound again. It's a lie of the devil. You should be able to rejoice and thank God. I am free. Let's stand, please. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. God bless you for all your faithfulness. Sister Julia, Brother Roman, Taya, they're standing here. They're all the way from Israel. They haven't been greeted yet from the assembly. They have moved here. Uh, God's given Roman a job, they've got themselves an apartment, Milko got them some furniture and now they're being established. God bless you, welcome. I think I need Brother Andrew to come up and help me with this. Do we have it in the the songbook, uh, When Justice Called for uh, Payment for My Sin? Paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. Do we know that? Do we know that song? It's one of my favorites, Brother Andrew. I think you sang it with your mother. Amen. This is our liberty. This. Time. Do we do, You see it? We're gonna help Brother Andrew sing. Okay. When justice, when justice called for a pain, and for sin. free. Walk in your freedom, saints. And for those that have not surrendered, let me just put that thought once more in your mind. You're going, it's going to cost you something. You just have to make up in your mind what you're willing to pay. Are you willing to surrender? And Say, I'll pay that price. Or you say, no, I'm not willing to surrender. Well, then you're going to pay another price one day. Maybe let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Close our eyes. Maybe there's somebody here that hasn't really paid the price yet. Counted the cost. But we read and we heard this morning about different men throughout the ages that stood so that they could give you freedom. Maybe you want to just lift up your heart, lift up your hand, lift up your Soul to heaven and say, Lord, set me free this morning. Set me free this morning. I don't want to be bound any longer. Set me, this morning maybe, if we took the type, Jesus, to heal the brokenhearted. To set at liberty those that are captive. And he did his part, what is the bride to do her part? Heal the brokenhearted. Set those that are bound free this morning. it's just whether or not you want to pay the cost because one day you will Heavenly Father different ones have raised their hands for various reasons and so Father God in this presence where we believe the great I am is amongst his people I pray that you will deal with every heart every life every soul every person whether they be here on the internet Lord, if they have not made that decision. Lord, let them not turn away as a rich young ruler did that one day. Just had to do one more thing. And that was the price that he could not pay. Next time we read, he's in hell. Father, we don't want anyone to go that way. We want all to receive life and life eternal. Set the captive for You paid the price. You paid the debt that no man could pay. And Lord, may they freely reach out to you, the Lamb of God, and accept that sacrifice this morning. And Lord, for those, I pray, that have attended the service this morning, that you'll have strengthened them in the Word. That they can leave fortified, edified, built up into the faith. Realize, Lord, that they have been stabilized by, thus saith the Lord, in a destabilized age and nation. We pray that your presence will go before each one. And pray that you'll strengthen everyone as they journey down life's road, preparing our hearts, Lord, for the camp that lays just ahead. We pray for Brother Ron Spencer, just speaking to him the other day. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint the man of God and inspire him even where he is now. Preparing a word within his heart for a people that will attend not to see man, but to see God in flesh once again. We pray that you'll anoint Brother Andrew, his son, as he will come also, Lord. We'll have men of God that will stand up there, post of duty, deacons, trustees, ministry, counselors, those in the kitchen. We pray, Lord, that you'll prepare all of our hearts for this great event that lays before us use us now we pray bless us as we go our separate way may the glory of God rest upon all the young families Lord and Father as they take instruction this morning may they gather their little family and lift up the great I am in their little home we commit all to you in Jesus name Amen Amen. Then when justice called, when called for a payment for sin, there was no one worthy could be found among men. Name, greet one another, please. Do we meet again? May it be at Jesus' feet. God bless you.